This is Dr. Saba Marouf, and you are listening to Unsung Heroes, uncovering stories of inspiration and action here on Podcast Detroit. Where'd you want to go? everybody and welcome back to another episode of Unsung Heroes Stories to Inspire here on Podcast Detroit and we are back with episode 33 and I'm joined today with my co-host Calvin Moore. What up though? Hey <laughs> and our trusty sound engineer Jess. Hello. Hey everybody. Uh, welcome back to all of our listeners. Super excited um, to have a, an in-studio guest today. I'm really excited um, but just to you know Introduce ourselves again for any new listeners. Um, our per- any new listeners. Our purpose here is to share amazing stories and unique narratives of individuals who have been sparked by their passion to become movers, shakers, and change makers in our communities. And we truly hope that by sharing these stories of positivity, we will inspire you to live a life of purpose and action. So, welcome everybody. And I'm again, I'm super excited um, for our guest that. Doesn't live here. She's from California, but she is here in studio. So that's awesome. So welcome, Pollock. Hi. Happy to be here. So happy that you're here. Um, just wanted to introduce Pollock Sheth, and she is um, uh, currently the managing director of the Affirmative Litigation Task Force at the San Francisco City Attorney's Office. And this is a team that's known for developing some of the most innovative litigation brought by any public law office in the country. And most recently, and significantly, I think they won the first permanent injunction in the nation against President Trump's executive order of defunding sanctuary cities. All right. We're just going to need to stop real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Pollock and I need to hug. <laughs> Group hug real hug. quick. Yeah. That's awesome, actually. Definitely want to talk about that. Um, but she also serves on several nonprofit organizations as well. She sits on the executive board of the ACS Bay Area Lawyer Chapter as an outreach and diversity chair. And in fact, in 2017, she received the Unity Award from the Minority Bar Coalition for this position. Um, many other um, uh, board, I mean, she's, she serves on many other um, boards. Um, organizations, um, but what really what we're really going to talk about today is um, the fact that she co-founded uh, PMS, which is a post March salon with Ravina Singh, who is and that's how we got connected. Ravina and I go and I go back to college actually. Ravina and I both went to UNC North, uh, University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, and she's the one that introduced us. And we were hoping to have Ravina on today, but she couldn't make it. Um, I'll try. Um, I'll try to represent us both. Yes, <laughs> and I told her even if she has a second try to call in. Um, but uh, but super excited um, to kind of get introduced uh, to you through her and excited that you both kind of get, went into this venture together. But basically in the winter of 2017, um, they both uh, combined forces just after they marched in the Women's March. And really the mission behind the post-March salon was to galvanize women who may or may not have been politically and civically engaged to continue to resist and stay active against oppression of their rights. And similar to the salons, or I remember learning the salons <laughs> of the 18th century, where intellectuals and artists gathered to socialize and increase their knowledge through conversation, their goal was to connect, organize, converse, and most importantly, act. And step one was arming the women in the group with the information they needed to feel conversant enough to act, and step two was action. So, wow, super excited to have you here, Pollock. Thank you so much again. Thank you. I kinda, I'm kind of geeking out here for a second because um, 
uh, whenever I learn something about history, I get excited because my, my pedigree is history. Oh. And so it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. This word salon, I didn't know that that's where it came from or what was going on in mm-hmm. these salons in the 18th that's century. True. And I'm thinking of it now – and we're going to talk about, obviously, you know, PMS here in a second. Right. But I, I'm thinking in terms of, like, black barbershops. Oh, absolutely. Because that's exactly mm-hmm. what happens. That's where all the conversation yeah, happens. Absolutely. And go, the culture it can, it can go from sports to politics that none of us know about to, uh, to dating <laughs> to relationships. To policies, to companies that are disenfranchising mm-hmm. yeah, you, all kind of things. To women that we also don't know about, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that, that's just kind Advice. of fascinating to me. So now I want to go look all that up. But wow. Yeah. And, I mean, former presidents used to host salons where they would, they would actively curate all different types of people. So they weren't surrounding them themselves by an echo chamber of other other wow. policy folks, hmm. right? They brought artists, they brought in architects, they brought in all different types of people to talk um, in what were known as salons that were that were pretty prevalent. Interesting. Okay. Wow. Right. So when I first read the name, I was like, PMS. They, they know what that stands for, right? Why did they call it that? Yes, we're taking it back. <laughs> exactly. It almost felt like kind of weird saying it out loud isn't that weird? like oh know? it's weird wearing it yeah everybody <laughs> asks why why pms she and has a course, t-shirt on with and PMS of course then it. they start to engage in conversations about periods and i'm like well i'm not actually trying to talk about periods <laughs> but i thought it was just a clever kind of catchy yep. name for I an organization lie. if i saw someone wearing that shirt and i didn't know i'd <laughs> be like, like oh Okay. Yeah, just be like, I'm like hey, no, I'm, to avoid her right now. I'm I'm glad that she's got a warning system. Right? <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> but that's the thing, and this is like so many other things. I think this is actually like a, a pretty accurate reaction to what happened in the presidential election, which is like, as a woman, I feel like we're so mischaracterized at times, as evidenced by mm-hmm. Hillary's campaign. Um, but PMS is something we're like, oh, whoa, you got to, you know, make sure you know when she's got PMS because she's going to be moody. And the truth is, it's like this happens to every single yes. woman every month as a biological thing that happens to us. There's nothing about it that has to be like, I mean, yes, obviously there's hormones involved, but there's nothing about it that means like we're moody and, can I say bitchy? Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Press the the beep button. This is a family friendly. Um, And so, yeah, the idea was like, let's reclaim things that actually we all understand about each other and we all go through. Um, And of course, for me personally, it's like, what a cute way to, what a cute name Mm. for something um, that also involves like an an organization that meets at the same time of the month, every month. That's what I thought was really cool. So, post March Salon. Yeah. Cool. So, I guess going back, actually, um, so Pollock, you're, I mean, you're in, you've been in California for the last, uh, you said five years? Yes, San Francisco. Wow. Um, but you are originally from Michigan. So tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you, what inspired you and um, led you on this path, how you started this type of work. Sure. Um, so I was actually born in India, but I moved here when I was one. So I'm effectively born and raised in Michigan. Um, and my story is kind of similar, I would say, to that of many second generation immigrants and South Asian Americans specifically, um, you know, being a daughter of an immigrant and an immigrant myself. My childhood was very like family oriented, focused on academics, mm. being good. Um, but there was always this kind of sense that my parents instilled in me of um, doing good while doing well, right? So it wasn't just about doing well. It was really just about making sure that you're a positive influence on your community. Um, My dad was um, an incredibly generous, big-hearted individual that always donated money and and donated his time to organizations that he cared about in our community. Um, And he always told us, you know, he always encouraged us to volunteer and gain experiences over employment. Mm. In fact, I would say that he actually didn't really let 
me or my siblings, but definitely me, I'm the eldest, um, work, he would rather that I volunteered at the library or for a friend's office or all different kinds of things and just take that experience um, and, and do it for the right reasons than doing it for like $6 an hour. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I just say something real quick about just a, a theme that has come out in this show that um, has informed some of the conversations I've had with a lot of people, especially around issues like, um, you know, immigration and dominant culture. A lot of dominant uh, – the dominant culture in America, a lot of people, you know, your parents tell you – I mean, they might put some money in the offering plate as it goes by in church, but there's really not a – um a push onto your children or instilling in your children to uh, to serve others. And this is really evidenced by, okay, you know, now you're out of high school, go to college, get a good job. What do you want to do? What? You, you want to go into nonprofit work? No, you need to get something that's going to, you know, actually pay the bills. And there's nothing wrong with wanting your children to be able to pay their bills. But uh, the people that have been featured on this show, and I love this, have almost always stated something about their parents saying they instilled mm-hmm. in me this desire to serve others, they uh, modeled for me by by volunteering their time, by giving money to uh, organizations and people in need and things like that. So I, I love that. I just wanted to point that out about the mm. people that you bring on this show. Uh, and obviously, I want to applaud your your upbringing, yeah. Pollock. Um, but uh, take us back to to the time of... Actually, the- I was going to, sorry, jump in too yeah, I with that. that. Yeah. Um, something that I was just talking to my husband about was I think also that, I mean, there's a lot to being an immigrant and coming from countries where our parents really saw poverty in a totally different way. Mm -hmm. And I'm originally from India also. And I remember when we would go back, like my mom would on purpose, she would show me like we would be driving by and she would make sure that she was pointing out like the slums and even like going into kids your age. Like exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I totally remember that. Um, And I think also there's a quality for the people that did come to this country that um, they had to be kind of not just the cream of the crop, but they had to like take a chance, be vulnerable. Be oh, they um, took the biggest risk. You exactly, know, I, don't, I can't totally imagine. Out of your I moved to San Francisco. Of- I didn't move to a different country where I didn't have you know the same kind of knowledge or means. I mean, I, one thing I was going to say, um, Calvin, about what you just said is that it's interesting. Yes, they did instill this idea of doing good, and 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 actually more more than doing good, kind of like just being a part of a community and finding your community. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I my my opinion is that immigrants are like the hardest workers, yep. and so I couldn't have had that privilege if my parents didn't work super hard Mm -hmm. and make sure that I focused my time not working, working hard um, like for money, but working hard um, for a a solid education and solid experiences, rich experiences. So so talk a little bit about the uh, the election of of 2016. (laughs) This is is one of this is one of the few the high point of the few elections of any president that I I can remember still like two years later. Like, all right, so let's talk about the the election (laughs) two years ago. What happened? No, this Uh, is like the night the you know how like our parents are like the night the JFK died. They all remember. My mom knows where she was when Martin Luther King was shot. This this is our new September 11th, the the election of 2016. Um, Sadly. So take us back to a time. Of of the election, how how were you feeling when that happened? Given the given the type of work that you do, yes, uh, how did that make you feel? And and how soon did you feel that you were back on the front lines? I actually think this is uh, I I have kind of in pre- in preparing for today and even just thinking about it, like looking back on that time, I realized that the turnaround was incredibly quick, and it has a lot to do with where I work and where I live. Mm-hmm. So I will say the day of the election, um, my entire office, and we're a local government 
city attorney's office. All of the females in our office were, were their pantsuits. We all met on the steps of City Hall and we took a picture, like arms up, like sun was bright, mm-hmm. um, you know, pantsuit nation, here we come, like mm-hmm. first female president. I mean, we were beyond overconfident. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that turnaround, leaving work at 6 p.m., going to meet all my buddies to go watch the election live. And we, you know, we didn't do it in an apartment. That's, this is a too big of a deal. So we met at this outdoor street park area where they were, where they were showing on a big screen and there were like hundreds of people wow. and there were food trucks surrounding us. And I mean, you're in California. Yeah. <laughs> it was Ooh. like Nation. it was like an event. You know, mm-hmm. it was like it was like a sporting event. And um and we were all of us nerding out together. And between the time of six PM and nine PM West Coast time, I mean we just oh. saw that five thirty eight and the New York Times like polls just totally turn. And I, I, you know, I'm getting blo- chills just remembering it. I, I I can barely get through these sentences without like wanting to like choke up because you did go from a position of feeling like you were banded with not only just all of your like female friends. Frankly, that's not all the people. That's not it's let's not limit it to just females that wanted this. Um, there were so many people that were excited about having the first female president of the United States. And you just went from believing that you could we could be there in our history and then realizing that we weren't and to the worst person possible. I'm sorry. Um so well, we we got there. Yeah. So that's, you are still correct. So <laughs> so that was that night, right? Like I left just completely disenchanted with like my my fellow Americans, which I'm super proud of this country. Um, and 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 I'm super proud to work for you know like a government law office in this country. So you know that day election night was like one of the worst. Everybody remembers it um, and has their own experience. The next day, without any verbal communication. Almost every woman I know, definitely on my floor and in my office, was wearing black to work. Mm. Again, we were all kind of like symbolically mourning mm. what just happened without even realizing it. Um, and so that was the day after the election. There was very little conversation. I mean, I remember just like still internalizing what happened. Um, you know, there was the whole electoral college versus popular vote thing, like three million. What could happen? Is California going to secede from the nation? Like all kinds of crazy stuff. And two days later, um, so Thursday of that week, I I managed the this affirmative litigation task force and I have monthly meetings. Um, and I, my plan for that, that Thursday's meeting was actually to talk about, you know, okay, now that we have a Democrat in the administration, this is what they're going to be focused on. This is what we should be focused on and da, da, da. And in fact, I had to completely change the agenda. And what I did was I went through, um, Trump had put out during his campaign, like a contract of a hundred things or 10 things or something that he had committed to doing. What if he, if he won? And so I basically went through those things and I looked at, well, what are, th- what of these issues affect us here in San Francisco and in California? And what can we, our office do to, um, prevent that from happening and, and causing our community to suffer? And so it was this weird, like within two days, I realized, I'm actually in a position to do something about this. Right. I'm not I'm not actually like, oh my God, you know, I'm not one of the many, many hundreds of millions of people that's like, what happens now? Yeah. In a weird way, I felt like I'm with 18 of the most brilliant lawyers in the country that can actually, at least for San Francisco and the state of California, um, start to plan what happens now. What happens to our sanctuary city policies? What happens to our immigrants and, and our environment and things like that? So well, – I don't think this is one of our questions, but <laughs> and we do, we do need to get to talking about PMS. But sanctuary cities, I, I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of confusion as to how those work. Uh, does that mean like 
ICE can't come into San Francisco at all and take people who are undocumented or anything like that? Or how do they work? No, not at all. Um, so sanctuary cities are essentially areas where we don't extend our local law enforcement to aiding and abetting uh, the federal government's okay. efforts on deportations and investigations and things like that. And that's not to say that we don't completely, but uh, w- we have our own policies that in that instruct what we can and can't okay. do. Okay, so it's essentially you can do it. We're not going to help you. We're not going to fold over okay. and give you everything. And I think that there's – and the truth is I sometimes think that the um, the name Sanctuary City is not – it's not a misnomer by any chance. But I think that it's getting a bad rap because it actually should be considered safe cities. I mean these are communities right. that are huge communities. And if they don't feel like their local law officers or their local um, um, police officers are their allies, they're not going to report petty crimes. They're not going to report domestic violence issues. And then we have a real issue with safety. Okay. So um, so uh, we kind of mentioned before that um, your group, your team, your task force had won the first permanent injunction in the nation against that executive order. Can you tell us a little bit about that briefly? Oh, oh, never mind. Okay, yeah, she can't. <laughs> no, I, no, I <laughs> okay, cannot. Sorry, that's okay. <laughs> okay, so let's move on then. <laughs> so tell well, and well, I mean, we did. That's a fact. You should look it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow, that's it's under wraps. A, it's a great that's case. Cool. It's a great case, but it's it's an appeal right now. Oh, that's um, oh yeah, and so typical lawyer. Answer. <laughs> <laughs> she pleads the fifth. Let's, yeah, exactly. I'm like we're we're in the appeals process right now, so we should move forward. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. No, that's totally cool. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the formation of uh, the Post March Salon or PMS. Sure, happily. Um, so. Ravina, our mutual friend, um, mm-hmm. and I and my sister actually um, had planned to march together. It was, you know, be it be it that we're in California, it was actually this incredibly cold, rainy day. And but we were ready to go. We had our ponchos, we had our posters, we were like fully set. And um, we meet and we start marching and it's it's crowded. I mean, you, you can barely move. And it was a great feeling of suffering through this cold with all these other people that just, no matter what, they wanted to be there. They this wanted was to the be march there in, in that moment. This was the march in San Francisco. But and it was the march in Washington. Okay. Like, all right. Okay. Yeah. Like last year when uh, it was the same cities. day. Oh, well, when, she said, when she said it was raining, I'm like, I'm confused. It's California. And I'm told that <laughs> but, it never <laughs> rains out there. No, no, no. Okay. Just so everybody knows, San Francisco is not LA. It's okay. not like palm trees <laughs> and sun. It's fog and mm. you need layers. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Right. Um, but it's, but it's great. Um, so anyway, so, so we're marching. And while we're marching, you know, both, uh, Ravina, who's a doctor and my sister, who's a public health, um, um, has a public health background. Both of them were talking, and they both have kids. They were both really talking about how, like, this feels amazing. This mm. feels energizing. This feels like we're doing something. How do I sustain this? Mm-hmm. And their biggest kind of, um, th- you know, for them, the- their only real, like, knowledge or option was always to, I mean, yes, volunteer here and there maybe, but really just donate money to advocacy organizations like the ACLU mm-hmm. or Planned Parenthood. That's kind of what their go-to was. Right. And in hearing this, I kind of, you know, I, as you mentioned earlier, like I've served in a lot of nonprofits. ACS, which stands for the American Constitution Society, is the largest legal network of progressives or, or it's the largest progressive legal network in the country. And in um, on serving in that board, we host programs every month. And so kind of like putting my ACS organizer hat on, I thought, you know, when I think about how you can um, – sustain energy for any specific movement, I think that it's either something that's very deep-rooted to you, and so you're going to do it no matter what, 
Or frankly, it's got to be something that's consistent Mm -hmm. and somewhat social. Mm -hmm. I think the social aspect of it can't shouldn't be underestimated. It's one of those things where like we own we all only have so much time on our hands. And so if I'm going to go back to do anything week after week or month after month, it's because I like the people I'm doing it with. And so that kind of got my wheels spinning a little bit. Frankly, I didn't really know by the time we ended the March that we were going to have this monthly salon. But there was this idea of like, okay, what are we going to do to keep this going? And I personally was thinking myself, I know how to I, I've, I've been a part of a lot of different um, I, I've, I've been an activist for a very long time. And I've been a part of a lot of organizations that have pushed forward campaigns and issues and movements. And I wanted to be able to leverage that. But my biggest goal was to leverage that not with kind of like that world of people or my colleagues or the people that are already engaged. The goal was actually to leverage that sort of organizing with people who for the first time ever want to participate in this type of stuff. And bring and once we bring those people into the fold, we're going to win, right? We're going to get all all these more like new people involved and educated and taking action and that's how we win. So uh, you started – did it start immediately after the election? Was it like November <laughs> – okay, November, November 10th. We're, we're, we're November uh, 9th and 10th. We're on this. Well, so the March was January 21st okay. and, um, and, and in fact right, it didn't. So, right. so like I, re- I actually was looking it up today um, before I got here. I probably – I actually didn't know how to like – sometimes branding is everything. And so mm. I didn't know exactly what this was going to look like. And then I was just – whatever in my head like thinking through maybe in the shower who knows um names and when i came up with pms and this wow, like perfect. this cute little motto of like we meet at the same time of the month every month i was like okay that's it i'm gonna email ravina i've got a plan and the plan was simple the plan was look we're gonna invite our friends those that that we think and in the beginning we wanted to curate it and make sure it was diverse and then we were like whatever let's just invite people that we think want to be involved and if it, if it leans more you know like women of color great um and it does um um but the idea kind of once i had the name pms solidified itself and the and it was simple it was like let's not start something with a goal of winning let's start something with a goal of sustaining mm-hmm. the energy so important yeah and for me personally wanting to keep it all women was very important because i think you know, we talk about how the the, the mission is kind of to educate um inform and then take action And I think what ends up happening when you have a co-ed group of people is that women oftentimes, especially if they don't feel like they're super knowledgeable about any specific issue, they don't speak up. They don't, they don't, they don't feel confident enough to speak up, to ask questions and then to take action. And some of you show that too, as young as like kids, right? Like you might have the same knowledge base, but the boys are going to act like be more confident, overconfident, whereas the girls (laughs) tend to, um, be, think of themselves uh, as less, um, confident or, you know, knowledgeable. I just want to um, just read this quote to you because I just came across it. Um, actually, this uh, uh, Ursula Adams, who I met through Calvin's show, um, and I follow her on Instagram. She's she started cool. the She like Hive her. in Detroit. I know. I'm going to have her on sometime. Um, but she um, shared this little snippet that I to- I was like, I'm going to read this tomorrow because it's totally perfect. <laughs> and another friend had actually shared it like two weeks ago. But um, just really short. But for a century, the human response to stress and danger has been defined as fight or flight. A 2000 UCLA study by several psychologists noted that this research was based largely on studies of male rats and male human beings. But studying women led them to a uh, third often deployed option, gather for solidarity, support, advice. They noted that behaviorally, females' responses are more marked by a pattern of tend and befriend. Oh, I was like wow! That's from a book, friend. "The Mother of All Questions" by Rebecca Solnit. 
That's amazing. I'm yeah. going to have to get that from you afterwards. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, and I think that just really... T- I think I, that's absolutely true. I think that, um, you know, what gives me the most joy about PMS are the people that literally had... So you asked when this started. I would say January 21st was the Women's March. Our first salon was... February 21st. Um, And in that time, I probably sent the email out to the group of people that we wanted to invite on like February 8th. So a couple weeks after. But those two weeks were so significant because that's when the daily action things were coming out. All of those like, you know, there was all of these like resist bot and all these things. And I remember all of my friends being super motivated to do that, like during lunch, calling their senators and things like that. In those first couple weeks, there was a Muslim ban and there was a sanctuary city executive order. But I will say in our email, I remember writing and I remember believing that like more most so many of you have done more in the last three weeks Mm -hmm. than you have in the last 30 years on anything civically Mm -hmm. or politically and that is something we need to harness that's something we need to actually Mm -hmm. not like let fade away we actually need to take advantage of this moment and keep you guys engaged um in a way that doesn't feel you know, indirect or doesn't feel like you're going to lose interest in this. You got, we got to keep you guys right. engaged in a way that feels like I'm actually owning this moment. And 20 years from now, I'm going to be able to look back and say, no, when we needed, like I was part of the resistance. Okay. So how has, uh, how has the movement evolved? I mean, it's been, we're coming up on February again. So a mm. little, little less than a year at this point, almost a year. Oh, almost um, your anniversary. Yeah. yeah. Uh, happy birthday. <laughs> so, um, uh, how do you, how has uh, how has PMS evolved in in the last year in ways that were expected and ways that were unexpected? That's a really great question. Um, so usually, if I start something, I have like a full mission statement and thesis, and this is the first thing that I've started that I feel like I just had no idea, but I wanted to get started. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ravina and I were thoughtful in how we wanted to make sure that we ed- had like a speaker to educate us on things and then have some sort of action out of every single salon. But that had totally grew organically. And, um, and, and I'll, you know, in the very beginning, in fact, I remember that same organization, ACS was giving out pocket constitutions. And I was like, you know mm-hmm. what, I'm going to host the first salon. I'm going to make sure every woman here has a, a pocket constitution that they can carry with them. It's not very big. It's not very long. Um, you should have it. You should know it. Take a quick read or whatever. Um, and and also, let's learn about an organization that's actually doing something for progressives, building model legislation and then out there in the states. And I will provide dinner and drinks for everyone and we'll do like a donate a dinner as the action, right? So you can the however much you think you would have spent on dinner, 25, 50, 100 whatever it is, we'll donate to that one organization that we just spent, you know, the last 2 hours talking about. So is it a different organization each time? So it was a different organization cool. each time. And th- this is what was cool about how it changed organically. Not only was it a different organization, sometimes it wasn't an organization, sometimes it was a candidate. So we mm. we went kind of we, we didn't vacillate necessarily, but we kind of wanted it to be topical when the first American Healthcare Act came out to repeal Obamacare, which was March. We were like, okay, this is complicated. How do we learn about this? Let's bring in in-house counsel for Sutter Health Group. It was like friend of a friend. And then she came and she spoke to us all about the AHCA and why it wasn't going to pass and things like that in a way that was digestible. And then literally right afterwards, she's like, can I join this group? And that started to happen every month um, when we left the Paris uh, – when we left the Paris climate change. Um, um, We had someone from NextGen, which is uh, the Tom Steyer organization that does a lot about environmental issues and climate change. 
And then we also pivoted not just to these like topical issues that were nationally important, but also local issues. So in San Francisco, there's a huge housing crisis. There's an incredible disparity. There's a lot of disparity in in um, in income, and, and the wealth gap is really large. And we have a, a very large homeless population. It's something as soon as you land, if you guys ever visit, you'll see right away. It's it's um, and it's something that's really unfortunate given the amount of wealth that does exist. And I know working for city government that it's something that we're constantly trying to understand and figure out and improve upon. We invited uh, through a friend of a friend, one of the girls in PMS volunteers for a homeless shelter and through that met this woman, Megan Freebeck, who started this organization called Simply the Basics. It is a phenomenal organization. I've, I've rarely met people in the nonprofit sector that can see the space and see all the inefficiencies and start something just to build efficiency through all of the other mm-hmm. Um, nonprofit orgs right. that they're serving. So she came and spoke to us, and we built these high. We we the whole the whole uh, mission of their organization is working with people that are dealing with homelessness with dignity, right? To so doing it with dignity. And so she brought all of this uh, materials for us to put together hygiene kits um, for people to hand out to people um, on the streets. And it was just amazing. And the way that she organized it was amazing. And immediately afterwards, I sent her a thank you email and she responded with, can I join PMS? <laughs> and it, it was just one of these things where like organically month after month, I was like, hmm, something so simple and small. I mean, we have between, I would say between like 12 and 20 people on average that attend. We have about 35 to 37 total that are actually part of the group um, with Everybody has a friend that they want to bring, and we're kind of dealing with that right now. But by the end of the year, it was one of those things where every month we had um, we had a speaker. We actually ended up having a fundraiser. We decided at one of our – we used one of our salons as a strategic planning meeting because we were like, okay, how do we focus? Like what is this group and what are we doing? And one of the fundamental goals is the politics and resisting and – we can't really talk politics right now without talking about how we we're going to take back the House and take back maybe the Senate, hopefully. Um, so we decided there were seven districts in California that all have Republicans um, in office in those districts but went for Hillary. So they're swingable. They're, they should be ones that we can win. And so we picked one um, in Southern California um, for um, this the, the district where Daryl Issa was – he recently retired, but he was in office there. And this guy, Mike Levin, was running. And we're like, okay, we like this guy. We like this campaign. Let's actually hold a fundraiser. And so that kind of helped cement our organization. And it was the first time we did something public-facing, which was also really cool because people within PMS who are not necessarily the most like, you know, who you think of as to be out there on the front lines were inviting their friends and inviting their coworkers to the, fun- the political fundraiser that they were hosting. And that was great. So in wow. let's say in uh, in four years we get lucky and uh, we get a different president. Let's, let's say that happens. Uh, does PMS keep going? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so so here's where social is so important. Um, in the last year, I've met I probably knew forty percent of the people, maybe fifty percent of the people. Um, I met. 50 like I I met like 10 to 15 new women that are people that I would never have met Mm -hmm. before that I would frankly we're in all different stages of life you know married divorced kids dating whatever Um, and we connect over this and it's not like we only talk about these heavy issues we literally had for December one of the women in the group has her own Ayurvedic um, therapy and treatment company and she also sells products and so she led the salon she we we were like let's end the year on a positive note and so she led the salon on self-care 
and like how it's been a tough year. Like this is here are some tips and um, tricks on self care and what does it mean and you know all this stuff. And and we also did a white elephant exchange where all of the gifts had to be uh, women owned businesses. Like all of the gifts so were cool. cool, and that was so cool. Everyone was like researching that. So I think PMS is much broader than politics. It's I think it's got like I would say three buckets. I think it's. Um, I think it's the political part of it and getting involved in local politics. So, yes, even if we win the presidency, the mistake that we made, I think, during the Obama years is that we didn't focus at all on the state and local government. So we lost all these governorships. We lost all of these Senate candidates and and congressmen and women. I mean, the reason I ask is just because, you know, I did an episode of my show right after the Women's March and I had all women who had been to the march or wanted to go to the march. It was a fantastic episode. And I asked one of the people, also a lawyer, fantastic mm-hmm. uh, fantastic young lady who was on here, uh, Kara Levadini Turtzag. And I said, was the march a referendum on the election of Donald Trump? And she said, absolutely. I mean, obviously it was for a host of other things, but let's just be honest, had he not been elected, we would not, we probably, the march wouldn't have happened. It would have yeah. been a million deplor- deplorables <laughs> march, right? That's what, what would have happened. And so, um, when I when I talk about like a post March salon, had Trump not been elected, that march wouldn't have happened. So would this organization have happened? Probably not. But would it be needed once he's no longer president? Is the question. So that's where the, that's where that question was coming from. So so yes, he would keep going. Yeah, and that's cool. <laughs> one of the funniest uh, posters that I saw at this recent women's march mm-hmm. was if Hillary won, we would all be a brunch right now, which is totally true, <laughs> wow. right? Like right. Yeah. like the silver lining of Trump, mm-hmm. the absolute silver yeah. lining of Trump is that all of these millennials and all of us that had eight years of Obama and Michelle, right? Like or. I mean, we miss, you. we miss them so much. But the truth is, we kind of like we're on our heels a little bit. And mm-hmm. now it's yeah. like, well, no, no, no. Like justice isn't just assumed. You know, you got to you got to constantly mm-hmm. work for it and fight yeah. for it. And I think that we through something as simple as this, the the um, the infrastructure that we've set up for a postmark salon, I think it's sustainable forever and ever. Okay. Wow. No, that's totally true. And I've um, really reflected on that. Just that, I mean, many have. The number of women that are running for office, the number of women of color, it's amazing. We're actually going to have um, Fairu's. Um, oh, so, yeah. Okay, yeah. We're, she's going to be on um, in February. Michigan 11. I think. Yes. Um, and uh, we had Nadia Hashimi on. Um, she's running for Congress in Maryland, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, and she's an author. She's a pediatrician. Wow. She's, yeah. What episode was that? I don't know. 20 something. But anyway. All, all of them are so great. <laughs> so <laughs> it's been really <laughs> cool. Um, but I really love that. And I actually really love that Rav- that you both started it, you and Ravina and your sister, because just, you. Um, I mean, I would say like being, a, um, I'm a physician, I'm a psychiatrist. And many times I kind of feel, I love what I do. And I feel like this is my, um, this is kind of how I'm giving back. And this is, I feel like I can impact people and li- you know, increase my own empathy. I mean, so many things, but at the same time, you're right. I mean, as a physician, you're kind of like, okay, what can I really do? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so I really love that um, she's such a big part of this and that oh, it's, um, it's, you guys combine forces and it's something that's so tangible for exactly women of all backgrounds and kind of a um, simple idea, but exa- I mean, you're so right, just something small and consistent. And even actually one of our kind of prophetic, like religiously, um, our little um, pearls from... Um, Prophet Muhammad is that any to try to keep deeds good good work like small but consistent. Oh really? Yeah. So I kind of oh my god, kind of reminded me of that when you're saying meeting Um. every month, and that's not easy to do. Like (laughs) I'm like trying to start no, it's not book club and trying to see okay, what day is everyone available? I'm like this is not working. 
This is why we keep it on the anniversary <laughs> of the Women's March. But, just, but that's it. That's you're there, it. You're it's not. easy. But so I will say a couple of things about that. One, women love to guilt themselves into doing things or into not doing things. And so yeah. one of the things we do every time we meet is that when we start, we kind of go around and talk about like, you know, what do we do over the last month or something like that? And what happened the second, like the second month in is half of the people were like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't do anything. Or, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I missed the last salon. And I was like, no, no, no. This is a no, I have a no guilt policy for PMS. You come when you can come. You don't have to come. There's no expectation for you to be there. I, there's, there are very few things that I do consistently. So I know that like, if that's the if you're only coming because there's that kind of requirement, I would rather you not come. I'd rather the people that are interested in that specific speaker or that issue or whatever, whatever, come. Um, the other thing is that with with regards to like Ravina, I mean, I think the partnership is actually perfect. Um, the very first time we all met, just as like an icebreaker, I was an RA in college, and so I kind of like wear this RA for life hat on. Um, so, <laughs> so as a as a, as an icebreaker, I was like, okay, you know, use a word. Um, an alliterative word to describe you in this moment right now and your name so we can like learn each other's names and I kicked it off and I was like my name is Pollock and my word is persist and that's why we're mm. here and Ravina was the last person to go and she's like my my name is Ravina and my and my word is resist mm-hmm. and so now like our big tagline is like persist and resist nice mm. that's cool so yeah, this is um, amazing. Do you also do you also so what you check in in the beginning and you kind of talk about how every, do you do like an emotional check in too? Like how are yes. they feeling this yeah. past month? Especially some months. I'm thinking like the first four months we definitely did that, and there were like there were times when people were like, I just feel like the world is blowing up. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. people were like, yes, it was dramatic, but it was true. Mm-hmm. It felt like you know it was like water out of a fire hose, right? I mean. We all in that very initial Muslim ban and even um, Sanctuary City ban, we were like, okay, it's the, the year is starting off pretty heavy, um, but it didn't slow down, right? I think yeah. we all thought it was going to slow down. It just never slowed down. And the scandals got worse and we just got a little bit more desensitized to them. Yeah. So, yeah, the check-ins are important. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like every, every morning, every morning I would I would open up my phone and go, all right, what's happened? <laughs> in the last Damage report. <laughs> I, now, I now spend at least 30 minutes on Twitter in the morning. I never did that before. Mm-hmm. You know, it's weird. It's like, okay, I got to go into my day informed, especially on the West Coast because, like, stuff has oh, already yeah. happened. Like, yeah. three we're, hours we're, we're living in the future. Yeah. I don't know how you guys do that. Like, so, I used to say that when I moved there. I'm like, the future is happening right, while I'm asleep. Right <laughs> um, so what advice can you give to um, women and, um, and, all, and really all citizens in other cities and states that want to organize and be part of this movement um i guess what would you, what yeah would your advice be okay so i'm actually thinking through that now because i really do strongly believe that this is something that people can start anywhere um i think don't underestimate yourselves i think you you don't need to know speakers i think we started mm-hmm. you know the second month in with speakers but it was a friend of a friend that worked in-house at Sutter health it wasn't like the general counsel you know we didn't we mm-hmm. didn't shoot for the stars we shot for somebody that knows a little bit more than us and that can come and break it down for us and i think find your partner i, th- I think it's important to have somebody else to do like to, when you want to engage in anything emotional or activisty i think you got to find somebody to do it with mm-hmm. not everybody would agree with that that's my personal like that keeps me both accountable and motivated um um and i would say the model is pretty sustainable once a month is a lot but again do it once a quarter then you know you don't have to do anything once a month 
I think if the goal for you is to make sure that you don't let this time in our life pass you by without you doing any more than just like liking people's posts online about articles that seem progressive or whatever, then you got to just start. And it could be at a cafe and it could be for people and you guys could read an article and just discuss it, right? It could – this could be a reading group. This could be – it could be a speaker series. It could be a speaker series plus volunteering. It could be – um, like, for example, for us this year, now that we're out of our year one, one of the things I want to do and what we we're going to focus on is actually outreach to these larger organizations, right? So there's Swing Left and Indivisible and um, Sister District Project and make sure that – I mean individuals within PMS were already involved in each of those groups. But I think now as like an organization, we want to kind of co-host things together and make sure that we're doing things with them. And I think you got to mm-hmm. think about it like that. Like year one is going to be basic and maybe year two is much bigger. If you want to shoot for the stars, shoot for the stars year one. Throw a fundraiser. Kick it off with that, you know? But my advice is to start. Hmm. And do you know if anything um, – I mean I think there was an article that you had sent me or Ravina sent me, just similar kind of organizations that are popping up. Um, yeah. Around, but the, but the yours salons. is really – yeah. <laughs> do they call them salons too? So I think that article that we sent, we were featured in The Guardian. Uh, this was like March of last year, so right after we wow, started, okay. maybe even February. Um, and it was about how these salons were – like literally the word salons were popping up all over the country because people were like, what do we do? And not everybody has a network of like – you know, lawyers and, and not that you have to be lawyers, but even just people that are like super active. Um, so you would just invite friends over and in lieu of like talking about television or whatever you talk about, um, you would talk about like what's going on in the world. That was then I would say, I you know, it's funny, like this concept isn't is is PMS is obviously like our thing, but the concept of doing what we're doing, um, the women's march itself had started something called huddles. Yes, and that was a lot of those. Okay, so there's so there's that you know, and and that's that's effectively the exact same thing. Um, So. I'm sorry. What was your question? I just realized um, I lost my train of thought. I don't know. Just basically like there are kind of similar yeah. things going on. And you, you can know, get but. involved with them. Indivisible has like chapters. You know, they all – there's so – do you. I mean yeah. I know for myself like I've joined things um, and I've started things. And mm-hmm. this was one of those things where like I kind of wanted to start something mm-hmm. and that's how that and went. And I feel wow. you have t-shirts now. So I feel like yeah, you're, you're you like know? committed. Oh, yeah. oh, and you know, we went to the March, this year's March. First of all, I had a, like a pre-March poster making party. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> we listened cool. to Hamilton in the background. It was amazing. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> awesome. And then like 30 of us or 25 of us or whatever it was rolled deep like down to Civic Center from my apartment and then all the way down to the Embarcadero. And we rocked our t-shirts. We had our signs. Like it was, people asked us like, what's PMS. I mean, it was it was pretty special, and it, this didn't exist a year ago. It wasn't even in my head a year ago. Wow. That's so cool to me. So, well, probably when Guardian sorry interviewed no. you too, you were like, "Oh wow, we have to in March, yeah, right, like, right, right. <laughs> we're in this in the Guardian." Like, why, why, this. What? <laughs> I have to, okay, you just mentioned Hamilton. I have to mention uh, add my my election night experience. So, actually, Please. my birthday is November eighth. My birthday was on election day. Oh, I don't think you, you, had, guys a, count you had a rough wow. birthday. Yeah. Well, it started out great because my husband it was um, to- like surprised me and whisked me away to Chicago. We were oh. there for the day and night, and oh. he surprised me to Hamilton. Oh so my god! So I was actually watching Hamilton as the results were coming in. But I will say, and then when we were leaving in the morning, um, I just, of course, we when we get back to our hotel room, we're like, oh my god, what's happening? And then in the morning, I was just like, I got to get back to the kids. I got to go back to the kids because I remember my son, who was ten at the time, was like, you. You know, um, is it true what Trump said about, um, you know, ba- uh, banning Muslims? And, and this was when, you know, during the uh, election, I mean, the not during election. the race, during his right candidates 
whatever race. And um, and I was like, no, honey, I'm like, you know, like he's not going to become president. And like many parents did. Right. Of course. And right. I just Comforting was like, just felt I was like, I need to go home and I need to be the one to tell him. And we were just like racing back. But but watching that, um, it just I think it was really therapeutic. And, it you know, everything happens for a reason. But I just was like, that's an amazing show. Um, not so accessible, but hopefully will yeah. be. But um, just what I got from it was like we've been through so much in this country, mm-hmm. and we fought so hard for we're everything. Resilient. Our freedom, exactly the res- um, spirit of resiliency and everything. It's like we're going to get through this, and that that really helped me. I think I with think, the, all those emotions. I think one of the things I uh, having a historical outlook. I mean, my my background is early American Republic. African American experience mm-hmm. in the early American Republic. So if if you can get through, well, black people <laughs> yeah, got seriously. through, right? Yeah, um, but wow. no, just in terms of, um, I mean, the arc of history bends towards justice, yeah, right? Like yeah. it takes a while; it doesn't go straight. There's so when I, when I think of like you know what, when I think of terrible events that I do not want to be separated from my daughter for, I, an election has not been one of those mm. things, and so it's it's fascinating for me uh, to hear that kind of thing. But at the same time, you know, while I while I was hopeful that Hillary would become president, I had no illusions that she would not become president. Interesting. Um, I <laughs> I think black people have a particular perspective about mm-hmm. American history at this point, and as a historian, I definitely do. But despite the the highs and lows for minority groups in in the history of this of this great country, one of the things I have always uh, always understood is that. America has a particular ability to withstand tyranny. And I, I don't know what it is. Obviously, we have it codified within our Constitution, uh, in our Declaration of Independence, why we were becoming independent, because we were done with you know mm-hmm. King George III's tyranny, right? <laughs> um, and we're, we're so afraid of tyranny. But I, I, I have found all throughout American history, there are all sorts of tyrannies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... The I think the hope has been, and people have leaned hard into that hope, uh, to withstand it, to resist it, to persist against it. And it has not been a perfect experiment by any means, but I think we are we are getting there. And again, ex- exceptionally disappointed that Hillary didn't win, um, but I do believe that despite the person we have in office right now, we will persist, we will resist, and Kamala Harris will become president of the United States. <laughs> 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 Go California. <laughs> Kamala Booker 2020. Oh my God, wow. we can dream. Can you imagine? Uh, when they both joined the Senate Judiciary Committee, I was like doing like a dance in my office. I was like, yes, we need you guys on that committee. Like otherwise. By the way, Cory Booker has a new podcast. Yes, he oh, does. Wow. He's two ep- I listened to his, uh, his newest episode. In, uh, What's it called? It's called Lift Every Voice, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, which is the black national anthem, which I do not expect you to know the words of it because mm-hmm. most black people don't either. Uh, Wait, is that, is that real? There's a black national Lift anthem? Lift Every Voice, yes. That is the black mm-hmm. national anthem, yes. Oh, my God. I you can Google it. There. You can I'm download it. Um, and most of us don't know it, but it's it, it's great that we have one. Uh, it's a great and uh, he, his most recent episode, he interviewed uh, for, uh, for uh, DACA. Oh, DACA oh recipients. wow. And so it was, it was a really wow, fascinating cool. episode. And the first episode was... Uh, Mm. Oh, that is so Gosh, the, cool. Uh, the, the congressman, John Lewis, he interviewed. Oh, John yes, Lewis. John Lewis. I saw so, that. I saw him tweet about it. I, I, I recently saw Cory Booker on a plane and I was like, 
I, I think you're amazing. You're doing amazing work. I work for San Francisco. We really love you. He's like, ma'am, ma'am you're hurting my hand. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, what's your name? And I told him, he's like, okay, thanks. Nice to meet you, Paula. And I was like, oh, I'm going to let that one go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, rounding this out, I guess, you know, um, Paula, what's in store for you? What's in store for PMS? Um, I know we t- kind of talked about that, but any other parting thoughts? Yeah. Um, well, what's in store for PMS? I, I can only imagine. Um, I think Ravina and I recently got together. We had solicited kind of feedback from everybody within PMS. It's very democratic. Um, and, you know, whatever. I don't know if that's a woman thing or what it is, but um, that's the way I like to do things. Um, and we we focused on kind of like what worked out of last year. And to your point, like what how do we set it up so that this isn't just for this year, right? Mm-hmm. So this year, I think specifically is probably going to be politics are specifically very important. We need to win the midterm elections. We want to make sure that we're fully engaged in that process, that that's not like a secondary thing. It's the primary thing. But I would say that our focus is these three buckets, right? So we've got like the take back the House Senate where we're going to – I'm going to invite different candidates to come meet with PMS. We're going to reach out to these other organizations and get involved with their efforts um, and make sure that our members are involved with those efforts. Separate from that, we're going to continue our speaker series. And I think this year, actually, the point isn't so much like, you know, talk about topical issues, although that could that's fine, too. We're probably going to kick off um, next the next salon with someone that can talk to uh, talk to us about DACA. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, I think it's also just about like featuring badass women. Um, I, I now it's funny now people are like, oh, my God, I just met this woman and she's leading like the brand marketing at this company and she's just all over The New York Times and da, 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 you know, and I, I saw her outside and I just asked her to come to PMS. And I think that's going to happen. I think that I just want to bring in people that have like, you know, they have a narrative that is relatable and they've accomplished something that is a goal and just bring them into the network. Um, so so a speaker series. And then um, and then the other part of this that I, I really want to make sure we stay true to is think locally, act globally. And so more local kind of like service oriented stuff, it, whether it's volunteering or bringing in speakers from specific San Francisco local organizations that are doing things that we should be aware of. I mean, just having 30 people aware of. Um, I had mentioned before, simply the basics. That didn't just end after she came and spoke to us. My sister held, uh, you know, or somebody held um, a housewarming party where they had them come and we did hygiene kits. Like each of us kind of took that back and made that the organization that we wanted to focus a little bit more on last year. So finding something else like that. Cool. Wow, very cool. Well, thank you so yeah. much. I'm so excited that this worked out. Yes, thank I'm you. So happy that, I mean, you happened to be in town. So you took the red eye, by the way. I did town, take the so red eye. Wow, I'm surprising my best friend for her baby shower. Okay, I was like, are you, did you fly just for this show? <laughs> Saba's got some pool. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, I really want to be on Pod Detroit on Song Heroes. Although I will say, when I saw your uh, when your title, I was like, I was a little sheepish. I was like, I don't really feel like a hero of any kind. Oh, well, you that's, I mean? that's unsung part of it. Right. <laughs> um, Oh, wow. No, the work you're doing is incredible and you are so inspiring. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad this worked out. You just happened to be here this weekend. And because we have we've had guests that call in and it's great, but it's always a little bit better to be in person. Yep. I'm so happy. Too. Yeah, we had, I mean, you guys are phenomenal. And I'm probably going to ping you guys about like some podcast tips because like I mentioned before, I'm hopeful that you got know, a lot of them. Yeah, he no, I sure. I would love to because as much as I I love PMS and I love how intimate it is, I do think that there's value in sharing the stories and the conversations that we have within those salons. Um, mm-hmm. Rule so. number one of podcast: start it. 
Just like, yeah. just like starting your organization. <laughs> just like starting PMS, that's, what I, that's what I told Saba when we sat down for like weeks, like a month before <laughs> we finally bit the bullet and did this. Yeah. I was like, just do it, Saba. Just record your first episode. <laughs> and now we're I feel like in, I'm right? slowly yeah. getting used to my voice, too. So maybe, You've got maybe, a great, yeah, no, you would great, be great. voice. I, that is the first time I've heard that. <laughs> it won't be the last. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Wow. This was amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And subscribe, like, share, share our show to anyone everyone that you think would be interested in um, hearing these amazing stories and I feel very privileged um, to have the space and the friends and the you know connections to be able to do this I'm just you know a conduit for sharing these amazing stories so thank you for listening and join us next time for another episode of Unsung Heroes